As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. We'll get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30, the 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams gonna throw. One on one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Connor Barth. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always, Josh Marlowe alongside of me today as we take a look back at the Tar Heels' loss on Thursday night to the Pitt Panthers. Uh, We'll go through, take a look at the box score, uh, give you some of the headlines from the game, hand out our player of the game, and uh, also have some closing notes. Uh, Mac Brown spoke today to the media and uh, did tell us the 21 players that will officially be walking as a part of Senior Day on Saturday. There are a bunch of guys in there, guys that have played major roles for the Tar Heels, not only this year but in the last couple of years. Uh, and we're going to go ahead and go through those for you guys, tell you uh, you know, some of those names, uh, maybe some that shocked us. And we'll also talk about some of the notable absences on there, some guys that we thought potentially could be leaving at the end of the season, but it looks like they will be coming back for the 2022 season. Uh, but first, we got to start with the most important news around Tar Heel football here over the last couple of days, over the weekend, really started about Friday night. There were some rumors that started coming out that quarterback Sam Howe had suffered a shoulder injury in the game uh, against Pittsburgh. It came on what most people believe uh, the, you know, was the last play of the game. That was where he injured the shoulder uh, on the fourth down play where he just tried to basically throw it up into the air and hope something happened um and yeah I, I think you know that's probably the play that most people look at I think you have to go back to the week prior in the game against Wake Forest where he gets knocked out of the game uh looked like he landed on that left shoulder as well a lot of people thought that it was really just the wind knocked out of him maybe that was true but it definitely looked like 
That left shoulder took the brunt of the hit, and that is the area that a lot of people have been talking about uh, over the last couple of days. Now, Mac Brown did not confirm that it was the shoulder that was bothering uh, Sam Howe, but he did say it was an upper body injury, and he said that he is day-to-day. Um, and basically what he said is that he will go through uh, the week, um, and they'll kind of take it day-by-day with practice, uh, and then he will probably – the way that Mac Brown seemed to phrase it, he'll probably get a chance to warm up on Saturday, and they'll see from there if he's going to play or not uh, in the game against Wofford. We'll get a little more in-depth into should Sam Howell start in that game. If not Sam Howell, then who? We'll get into that a little bit more when we preview the game against Wofford. But really just uh, you know, on the information that we received today, um, I think this is, you know... This is better than I think some people thought it was going to be because initially I think a lot of people thought that this was going to be season-ending. Many people thought that it was probably a broken collarbone. That was the one that I saw most people talking about after the game. Um, But it appears as if he has avoided that. But really it, it, it felt like only a matter of time until this was going to happen to Sam Howell this season, especially with how many hits he not only took last night but that he's taken all season. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is that uh, the minute that you incorporated him into your offense running the football, this was a possibility. With that being said, they didn't have a choice. If they never would have used his legs, Carolina's, Carolina would have not have been able to run the football the way they've been able to run the football as of late. But it still sucks because it's hard seeing your starting quarterback, a guy that has been durable for three years. We've never questioned his toughness and anything like that, go down and stay on the ground for a while, I'll be in, in that defeat to Pittsburgh the other night, um, is something that, uh, you know, before they even he started running the football, this was a possibility given the fact that for three years we haven't protected him the way you should be able to protect an elite quarterback. Um, so it, it shows you how tough he is, that his body's been able to withstand all the hits that he's taken on his own and that he hasn't had a chance but to get hit. But it's something that, uh, <clears throat> you know, Carolina – it's why they were so hesitant to want him to run the football the first two years. Luckily, they didn't have to run in the football, run him in the in the running game because you had Michael Carter, Javante Williams, and those guys this year. Not the same case, and so you're really about to find out the future of Carolina football post Sam Howell. Well, here's the thing: is that the play that it happened on was a drop back. It was that fourth down and ten heave where he was just trying to make something happen because. There, there, he, he had no choice. I mean, he, there was pressure almost immediately. Uh, it was, you know, pouring down rain, and it seemed at that point you pretty much knew Carolina didn't really have much of a chance at that point. So he was just trying to make something happen. Um, and, I mean, look, he took five sacks in that first half as well. It, it seemed like at some point with as many hits as he was taking just on dropbacks the other night that it looked like it could potentially be heading towards, uh, you know, a, an, an injury because – I mean, you can't have your quarterback taking as many hits as he's taken this season, and he can't. I, I know Pitts have got a really good defensive front. They have for years, and once again this year, they're one of the top pass rushing teams in the country. Uh, but Carolina definitely had some trouble. We'll talk about that more here as we, uh, you know, go throughout the podcast. But let's, you know, the other part of this that was revealed by Mac Brown. The other thing that I, I think 
you know, a lot of people were wondering whether or not this would be confirmed, um, you know, for senior day and, and, and if he would walk, uh, was whether or not Sam Howe would be headed for the NFL. And it appears that Mac Brown has pretty much all but confirmed that as of today. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said in his press conference earlier today that Sam Howe uh, will, in fact, be a part of the group that will walk on Saturday. And he said that this will be his final game in Keenan Stadium. Those were his exact words. So, I mean, unless something unforeseen happens, so unless he, you know, the the, the injury that he has ends up being worse than imagined and he can't go through the pre-draft process, which doesn't seem like that's going to happen right now. Uh, and, you know, or unless he gets just that bad of, grades and responses from the NFL scouts, which you would imagine he's already done his homework. Uh, it looks like the Tar Heels are going to be losing their starting quarterback to the NFL. It was something that I think we knew coming into the season was a very good possibility. I think that, you know, with the Tar Heels kind of struggling this season, you saw his draft stock dip a little bit, but not too much. I think there were some people, honestly, including myself, that will you know, we're starting to get a little bit hopeful that you might be able to see him back for a senior season in Chapel Hill. But Mac Brown seeming to all but confirm uh, the thoughts that we had preseason that he will, in fact, be pursuing an NFL career after his junior year. Yeah, we knew after his freshman year we had two years left of slinging Sammy, and especially after last year because he took in the, he took another step. And this year he he's taken another step in a different way, but out you know showing his ability to run the football, watch the NFL game. They don't mind seeing and their quarterbacks now. Um, it's it's you got to be happy for him, um, and we got to be thankful for him because Tario football, as we know it, wouldn't be what it is without Sam Howell. The future of Tario football isn't as bright as we still think it is without Sam Howell. Um, you know, I compared him to Clemson's Deshaun Watson or not or, or Taj Boyd, excuse me. Mm-hmm. If he's half of what Taj Boyd meant to Clemson to Carolina, we're in store for some really big things because we've seen what Clemson's become since uh, Taj Boyd departed, but. You know, it's something that he's been a lot of fun to watch. He's been a treat to watch every Sunday or every Saturday. He's going to be a treat to watch on Sundays, too. The thing about Sam that separated him from all the other quarterbacks, and we've had some good quarterbacks, you knew going into every game you had a chance because that guy was going to give you a chance to win. Right. He was going to lay everything on the line to give you that chance to win. And even and even when you fell short, and we fell short a lot of times this year when we didn't want to fall short, you know it was because of him. It wasn't from a lack of trying or lack of caring. He's as fierce a competitor we've ever seen in Chapel Hill. Um, and we're, we're just really lucky and thankful to have him. And he deserves to be honored on Saturday. That's the thing is I, I really hope that he can be out there uh, because he definitely deserves to be honored by the home crowd and be able to take snaps in that game, at least one snap. You'd like to see him at least come out, even if he just hands the football off and has to come out of the game just to be able to get that send-off that he deserves. Because, yeah, there's no arguing at this point that he's the greatest quarterback in Carolina history. And look, Marquise Williams did some tremendous things at Carolina, led them to an ACC championship game, led them to 11 wins, put up you know just unbelievable stats, especially in that 2015 season. But what Sam Howell did in three years – and just right from the get-go. I mean, the first thing that we we saw when we watched him, it started in that game against South Carolina, and then even the next week against Miami, we said to ourselves, this is a guy that can do anything in the fourth quarter. 
and that was pretty much what he was for the last two years prior to this season. This year, it's been a little bit different because Carolina has really just struggled in, in, in all different areas. It's been a lack of consistency from every unit. Uh, you can tell that this is just not a group that's been able to kind of pick up where they left off last year with having to replace all that they did on the offensive side of the football. But as you mentioned, I think the thing that everybody is looking at with Sam Howell, and one of the reasons why you know he'll probably still have a chance to go in the first round is that this is somebody – you know, you, you look at him, he completely adjusted his game this season to become a guy that he really wasn't before this season. He was a guy that could occasionally run for you. We saw it a few times here and there, but that was not really in his game. Now he's your second leading rusher, and there was a stretch where – you know, he, he if, if he wasn't getting 100 yards per game on the ground, you called it an off night for him. So, I mean, it, it, it's amazing how he's been able to adjust his game every single year that he's been at Carolina because we wondered after his freshman year would teams start to figure him out. And that never happened. He stayed ahead of the curve. He's a guy that's done all the work. He seems like a heady football player that's going to go on to the NFL level and he's going to learn a lot. Um, and I think it's just about him getting in the right situation. And, of course, that's another thing. We're going to talk about that going forward. I'm going to get on plenty of draft experts and stuff to tell us where they think will be the best fit for him. Um, but I, I think that everybody should be happy for Sam that he's going to be able to go on and, and, and play in the NFL, which is something that we knew uh, from day one he, he was going to be able to do. And I think the thing is, is, you know, hopefully he lands in the right situation, unlike Mitch Trubisky did. I, I really hope that he's a guy that can get into the middle or late part of that first round. And you may say, well, look, we want him to go as high as possible. You may want that, but ultimately I think the best scenario for him is getting into a system that, you know, has, has won before and has won a lot. And, you know, potentially even going to a system where he has to sit behind a quarterback for a year or two before he eventually takes over as the starter. So uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, but I think, yeah, the biggest thing is can he get out there at some point on Saturday and take those, you know, however many snaps it is in front of that senior day crowd and be honored the way that he deserves to before hopefully getting his final regular season start uh, in the game against NC State on the road in the final weekend. Uh, Mac Brown did say that he, Sam Howell told him he hopes to be 100% by then. He feels like he has a chance to be 100% by then. So hopefully that will end up being the case because I think we can both agree if Carolina is going to win that, have any chance of winning that game, they're going to need Sam Howell under center. Yes. So, um, but that, but that's something we'll have to monitor over the next couple of weeks. Let's talk about that game uh, that the Tar Heels played against Pittsburgh. They ultimately fall short 30-23 to in overtime. Uh, but this was a game where Carolina was being dominated early on. They were down 23-7 to uh, at 1.17-0 in that first quarter. They had allowed five sacks in the first half on their quarterback. The numbers in the first half were not good at all offensively. They ran for six yards in the entire first half, had just 126 yards of total offense, and 76 of those were on the long pass play to Antone Green. Um, but Carolina rebounded in the second half. They played better offensively, still not great. But the thing that you really like to see was Carolina really revved it up on the defensive side of the football after that first quarter. Wasn't a perfect second quarter, 
But in that second half, that was when they really turned it on, allowing just 104 yards of total offense to Pittsburgh in that second half. And that's not something that should be taken for granted, considering that Pittsburgh came in with one of, if not the most lethal offense in the entire country. They got the interception off of Kenny Pickett. That was one of the first times it looked like Kenny Pickett was actually a little bit rattled. Um, and, and Carolina ends up forcing overtime, but ultimately Pittsburgh gets the ball first. They end up scoring. Carolina in downpouring rain. All of a sudden the sky seemed to open up right as they got the football. Carolina ends up going four and out, and Pittsburgh wins the game. And overtime, second straight time that the Tar Heels have played Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh and the game has gone to overtime with Pittsburgh winning. So Carolina just can't seem to get over the hump. We'll take a quick look at the box score here before we get into some of the storylines. Carolina 384 yards of total offense, just 88 yards on the ground after a huge week on the ground a week ago uh, against Wake Forest. Um, Passing-wise, Carolina pretty successful night, 296 yards uh, for Sam Howell, 22 of 33 through the air. Um, Pittsburgh, 441 yards of total offense, just 95 on the ground. So Carolina, one of their better efforts on the ground uh, in, in run defense here over the last couple of weeks. A lot of teams have been having success. Even a week ago against Wake Forest, did a solid job of slowing it down, but teams had been able to find some pretty decent success. Not this week. Uh, they do allow 346 yards passing, though, to Kenny Pickett, although just 56% completions uh, throughout the day. A lot of that's th those stats came in the first half for Pickett. Uh, as we mentioned, that was where they had the most success. You look at the individual box scores for Carolina. Uh, as I mentioned, Sam Howe, 22 of 33, 296 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Um, you had Ty Chandler as your leading rusher, 14 carries, 42 yards. A uh, huge drop-off from a week ago where he was just so successful but didn't get the blocking that he needed to up front. That issue reappeared yet again. Sam Howell, 17 carries, 28 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, DJ Jones did spell him. Uh, had a couple of successful runs, but also uh, a lot of runs that just simply didn't go anywhere with seven carries for 18 yards. Receiving-wise, Carolina, two pretty good nights receiving. Josh Downs bounced back from his performance against Wake Forest where he was held to just four catches for 35 yards. In this one, eight catches for 95 yards. Did not score a touchdown on this one, but pretty successful night for him. Antone Green, three catches, 108 yards, and two touchdowns. Yet another nice performance for him as he has really turned it up here in the second half of the season. Outside of that, no other Tar Heel receiver finished with more than three catches or more than 28 yards receiving in this one. So it was really those two guys. On the defensive side of the football, Jeremiah Gimmel was the standout there. Ten uh, total tackles in this game, eight solo tackles, one tackle for loss, one sack. An interception and a pass breakup. I think easily his best game of the season um, and really stepped up after Power Eccles showed some really good stuff a week ago. A lot of people were wanting to see more of Power Eccles and less of, of Jeremiah Gimmel, but he stepped up and played really well. Uh, Cedric Gray, eight total tackles in this game, uh, four solo tackles, tackle for loss and a sack for him as well. Um, you know, we'll talk about some of the other guys I think that played uh, really well throughout on the defensive side of the football. But Storm Duck, five total tackles uh, and a host of guys uh, with four total tackles for Carolina on the night. 
As for Pittsburgh, as I mentioned, Kenny Pickett, 25 of 43, 346 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Uh, you had uh, in, in the backfield, Carolina, as I mentioned, they held the three running backs relatively in check. You mostly saw um, Israel uh, Biniconda, uh, 12 carries, 63 yards, uh, so just 5.3 yards per carry. Uh, uh, and then uh, Davis, uh, who, who spelled him, five carries, 18 yards, did have the one touchdown, but uh, Carolina struggling with some of the receivers that we knew they could have issues with in this game. Six catches, 84 yards, uh, did not find the end zone, uh, but another successful night for um, J Jordan Addison. Uh, and then you had, of course, Jared Wayne, three catches, 70 yards, and a touchdown, a long 32-yarder uh, while matched up against Storm Duck in that second quarter. Uh, that was the one that uh, I, I think was the most successful, but they really spread the ball around. A bunch of different guys that caught the football, and uh, Carolina really hurt by their tight ends as well. Lucas Kroll, four catches, 51 yards, and a touchdown, including the one in overtime. Um, and, and, you know, look, I mean – when it came to the tackles for loss and the sacks, not the prettiest night. Uh, there were a ton of guys that finished with at least one tackle for loss. Overall, Pittsburgh in this game, 11 to uh, total tackles for loss and five sacks. Carolina simply has to be better, especially against these defensive-minded opponents like Pittsburgh. So that's your look at the box score. Now let's talk about you know the reasons Carolina lost this football game. And I think really the two main things, and Mac Brown talked a little bit about it in his press conference today, were missed opportunities when they had the football and penalties. And I, I want to start with the penalties because this is now four weeks in a row that you've had double-digit penalties and triple-digit yards in terms of penalty yards. It's, you know, the first two weeks that it happened, I said, look, they've gone through fits like this before. Last week... You got to win, but it was still starting to become a pretty big concern. Now this is this is a full-blown issue that this team has. And I think at this point, I mean, look, you've got to find a way to try to manage it against NC State, but I'm not really confident that they're going to be able to do that. Yeah, no, you shouldn't have any confidence. The staff has not taken the necessary steps to instill discipline in their football team. This is a coaching issue. And I've said it since it's happened because we've fought penalty issues since Mac Brown got here, you have to instill discipline in, in your team. We're not born as human beings to be disciplined. It's just not in our nature. So you've got to instill that. And Guru, you look, Guru Josh over here. That's right. With that life advice for you. If if you look at the, the really good football teams, and the, I'm not even saying the great teams, the, the really good football teams, they're disciplined. They don't beat themselves week in, week out. Carolina has lost games every year by a direct reflection of penalties. They're not good enough to overcome those penalties. That's proven because they still lose the games. There are teams that are good enough to overcome penalties. We're not one of them. And it was something that was really disappointing because you had the ball at the two-freaking-yard line. Yep. And your best offensive lineman can't hold his stance to the ball a snap. So now you, you were in a situation where you should have taken the lead and dictated the way the final two minutes went but your guy can't sit still, false start. Now the whole sequence is out of whack, and you have to settle for overtime, knowing damn well you weren't going to win the game in overtime. And that was after he had taken a holding penalty earlier on in the same drive. Exactly. So, so this is something that when Carolina reevaluates 
you know, their staff and everything in the offseason whenever we get through the offseason. That's something that in winter ball, in spring ball, that's where that gets you, – you, you don't instill that discipline in fall and summer camp. You don't. That happens in the in the early parts of the preseason, and that's something that this staff has to correct moving forward. Yeah, I mean, that that one was huge. That, that was one of the main ones that I focused in the recap article on was the false start penalty because you went from the two back to the seven. You end up having the crazy catch by Ty Chandler, and then the ball is at the three. But, I mean, and, and we, we can talk about that here in just a second. They end up kicking the field goal. Uh, and you end up going overtime. If that ball's at the two, it's second and goal from the two, you would think, meaning I, I would imagine at that rate, you're probably it's probably a two-down or three-down scenario right there, unless you end up having a big loss. But, I mean, look, the, the other part of it was you had just gotten – that just followed a play on first down where – the snap went awry, and Sam Howell ends up making an amazing play just to throw it out of bounds and save it from, one, being a fumble, or two, being a huge loss. Um, so, I definitely, I mean, that, those were frustrating. Three more first downs uh, on the defensive side of the football allowed based on penalties, and two of them were on Storm Duck, yep. who's a veteran corner. Um, and, and it's just it's simple stuff like that. That is really hurting this football team right now, and I think it's I, I think it's one of the main reasons that they lost this game, if not the biggest reason. I, I mean, they definitely had some other opportunities that they missed on, but I really feel like if that ball is at the two yard line on second and goal, that is three down territory, and you probably find a way to punch it in and win that game in regulation. Because as we saw. Uh, even even on that final drive of regulation, Kenny Pickett really didn't have much. He almost threw an interception to Cameron Kelly. Now that transitioned just into the missed opportunities. That was one of the chances to come up with a big interception. And look, Cam Kelly's had some really big interceptions this year for the Tar Heels. That's one in that scenario, you've got to find a way to come down with that one, especially because it was pretty much thrown right to you. Um, and then there was, you know, the, the, there was the first drive in the second half where Sam Howell, uh, you know, had had two opportunities that he missed. Um, it was, you know, the third down pass that went to DJ Jones instead of going to Josh Downs, who was wide open, would have been a first down. That leads to a fourth and one. Carolina draws up a pretty good play. I, I like the play call from uh, for, from Phil Longo because it was there. Sam just didn't pitch it to the outside. I believe it was Ty Chandler who was in on that play on fourth down. If Sam ends up pitching it, it's probably a first down, maybe even a touchdown because there was really only one man to beat there. Doesn't end up working out that way, and unfortunately he gets stopped short. That wasted opportunity for Carolina. So if th there were multiple moments like that in this game where you felt like Carolina had opportunities and combined with the penalties, that's what really killed them. Yep, and it's just – and I, I have stressed it all season long where the discipline and the inability to make timely plays, this team has lacked it for the majority of the season. And this isn't last year. Last year they were more – able to overcome those kind of deficiencies because of how much talent was on the offensive side of the football. That's not the same case this year. And when there when there are plays that ha that are that are there to be made, like the like the Cameron Kelly interception, like when you've got the ball first and goal with the two yard line, all those little things, those little things add up to a loss. 
And it's just something that when you go back and you break the game down sequence by sequence sequence and, and play by play and you really dissect every little mistake, that's that's where Matt Brown's going to say, well, yeah, we gave this one away. And the problem is, is how many times has that happened this year alone? You could look at the Florida State game where you felt like you gave something away. The Notre Dame game, you really you really gave that game away. Yep. In a lot of situations, the Virginia Tech game, you were in the game, but you you know missed opportunities there. That's something where for this program to take the next step, they got to be more timely at making big time plays. I mean, in this one, it felt even more egregious though. It felt like there were in those games. I feel like there were plays like that. But in this one, you could point specifically to certain plays that you can go back and that will probably stick in your mind for at least the next couple of weeks, if not into the offseason, where you could have said to yourself, this could have changed the course of this game. If Cam Kelly comes down with that interception, I mean, look, I know that he's been inconsistent at times this year. You probably still feel pretty good that Grayson Atkins, with the way he's been kicking, probably makes the field goal and he can win it in regulation. Or you drive and score a touchdown. Either way, I definitely think Carolina would have had the opportunity there. If they end up getting that fourth down conversion, who knows? You get on the board early, that could have created even more momentum out of the gate for you early on. But it's just those types of plays that you're right. You've got to be able to find a way to finish those plays finish those drives if you want to be able to win these games one of the other reasons that Carolina wasn't able to win this football game though was once again a slow offensive start this is the third time in the four road games that Carolina has played that they have just started way too slow on the offensive side of the Mm -hmm. football and look the offensive line I think shoulders a lot of the blame but the offense as a whole just doesn't seem to be in a rhythm out of the gate It looked like maybe they had solved that issue in the game against Notre Dame. And I I don't know. For some reason, they they did not look ready to go out of the gate. They didn't look great on the defensive side of the football either. But they recovered at least, you know, for the most part in that second quarter. The offensive side of the football, not really. Outside of that one big play to Antone Green in the first half, they didn't really do a whole lot. It took them until halftime to really get going. I know a lot of people stay frustrated at Phil Longo for these slow starts, but I'm going to be honest, I don't really know what more you can really do with this team because even the other night when they tried some of the quick, short patterns to Josh Downs to try to get him the football and try to get the, the, the sticks moving, it didn't really seem to work. They can't run the football, and people that are asking why is he sticking with the run, well, look at how many yards you just ran for the pre- the previous week. Also, how many times have we talked about it, and it was very evident again the other night, that when this offense is at its best, it's when they can run the football. I don't have an issue with Phil Longo's game plan, and at this point, I'm starting to look like a Phil Longo stand that really just sticks up for him every time. But I, I think it's more – I don't see how people cannot realize that the biggest issue with this offense and these slow starts is up front with that offensive line, and they simply have to be better if they want to be able to win that game in two weeks against NC State. I want people to show me – and I'm being legitimately serious. I want you to show me a good offense that is a good offense that can't block. It's literally impossible. One of the best offenses in the history of the NFL folded 
like a cheap lawn chair in the Super Bowl back in February. Uh, it, it, you, you've got to have good – you can't have your quarterback getting sacked five times, and that doesn't even account for the other plays where he was under pressure and simply couldn't get the job done. I, I, I don't – there's nothing else that they can – you can try to get the football out quick, everything like that. Guys still aren't making plays when that happens, and you can only do that so many times before it's going to become predictable. Like, I just – I think he was handcuffed yet again, and that's the third time this year that I've felt like that. Yeah, so, like, here's the thing. You want to gripe and complain about Phil Longo? The, look, we don't know if the play calls was going to work or not because the play's getting blown up before it even happens because your offensive line's getting its ass kicked. That's where the issue is. Yeah. When Carolina has blocked very well this year, not going back to last year or even his first year, this first two years, were there play calling issues? Absolutely there were. But he's proven this year when his offensive line plays to its potential, his offense is not a problem. They can move the football against any defense they have seen all year, including that Notre, including that Notre Dame defense. So it's not Phil Longo's the, the issue. Your offensive line's the issue. And the biggest troubling thing was from in this game was you were so effective, run block. And look, I know Pittsburgh has a better defensive line. I get that. But you were so effective against Wake Forest, moving the defensive line, running the football, and literally none of that success – translated Mm -hmm. none of it you know how hard it is to be that bad the week after you were so great at that one aspect it's 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 pretty maddening the regression they take when they play in Keenan Stadium and when they go on the road and that's something that it's literally unexplainable but it's not Phil Longo's not the problem if you think he's the problem you're the problem nice you like that? nice way to accuse the fans there you go I mean, I, I got so sick and tired no, I mean, of seeing right. people just gripe and complain. That's their whole Twitter feed is this play calling. I mean, look, we'll probably get into it in the in it at the end of the season as well. Like, I just, I, I really don't get these people that want to be on Phil Longo. Uh, you're, you're, re- I'm going to tell you right now, you are really going to miss this dude if he ends up getting a head coaching job. When he gets head coaching job, someone's going to hire him because he's an offensive minded coach. Yeah, it's he's just, already interviewed for does, jobs. Does he? F- does he find the right head coaching job for him? And I think, honestly, it could end up being a, a situation similar to what happened when Seth Luttrell left, where how who are you going to get to replace this dude? Like, this guy has done a ton of, I mean, just every year. This is three straight years now you've had one of the best offenses in all of college football. And remember, I mean, look, last year – you ended up having some guys that were really, really good players, generational players for you at Carolina. But part of that is that he developed those guys from the year before when a lot of those guys were still relative unknowns. I mean, look, Michael Carter was a pretty good player. Michael Carter wasn't the player that he was last season in 2020 before that. Same thing with Javante Williams. Javante Williams was good the year before, but he took it to another level last year. He was one of the best running backs in the entire country last year. And then you look at guys like Deami Brown. Deami Brown in 2019, that's where he really started to break out, was under Phil Longo. Those offenses, year after year, I mean, you you saw the last two years, they got better. This year, I mean, it's not as good as it was last year, but it's still one of the best offenses in the entire country. They're relatively hit or miss, but to me, the fact that he's even 
in that category. The fact that this team ranks inside of the top 15 in most major statistical categories on the offensive side of the football is absolutely mind-blowing considering the fact that you easily have your worst offensive line that you've had since you've been here. And probably, I mean, it's the worst offensive line I can remember in recent memory for Toriel football. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, that was one thing that Larry Fedora and his staff did a really good job of. Chris Kapilovic was a heck of an offensive line coach, and they recruited the heck out of the offensive linemen, and they did a good job of developing those guys to fit the college system. A lot of them didn't go on and have big NFL careers, but they were really good on the offensive line each and every year. That's an area they've got to get shored up. And look, I know there's been ebbs and flows this season. There's been some high moments. But I think at this point, you've got to find a new offensive line coach. You've got to find a guy that can be more consistent for you up front. And, I mean, look, I'll give them credit. You know, they, they Jordan Tucker was struggling early on the other night. He's a veteran guy. He's been there a while. But they yanked him out of there. They didn't wait. They put in William Barnes, and William Barnes held his own. He had a pretty good night the rest of the evening. And you had Jordan Tucker come back in periodically. But I thought William Barnes did a pretty pretty good job over there on the right side protecting Sam Howell. He's going to have his fits at times. But I think that, you know, that was a move that needed to be made. But you've got to be able to find some of these, you know, be able to fill some of these holes going forward. Because yeah. if this offensive line isn't better, you're not going anywhere. Um, as I mentioned, let's go over to the defensive side of the football. Look, there were some you know good things on the defensive side of the football for sure, especially in that second half. And I really think the main thing was the defensive front, this was as good of a performance as the defensive front has had since that Duke game and with Duke being as bad as they've been this season. I would say this might be one of their best performances, if not their best of the season. And it was multiple guys, a lot of young guys, too. Javari Ritzy was the guy that probably had the most success up there. He saw, I mean, a ton of playing time. I'm not sure if he saw the most playing time of his career. I don't remember. Uh, I know he saw a pretty decent amount of snaps early on in the season in a couple of games. Um, but I think this one definitely had to be up there. He played a bunch in this game and had a lot of success. Dez Evans, the numbers weren't there. He didn't have a sack in the game, but he definitely looks like a more confident player. These last two weeks, he's looked a lot better. He's getting more playing time, and I think here's the thing. I mean, I, I definitely he, – he's a guy that still, I think, has a ways to go. He still has to put some weight on, but I think this is the key. He is right now – a better fit for what Carolina wants to do pass rushing wise than Chris Collins. Yeah. And it's worked out well for him. Chris Collins had some moments the other night too. He made some plays, but I think that you need Des Evans up there. That's starting to work out a little bit for you. And Mac Brown said the last two weeks, I think primarily in the fourth quarter against Wake Forest and then carrying over into the second half of this game, you've started to see this defensive line get going just a little bit. They had four sacks in this game. Now, two of them came from linebackers, but there was more consistent pressure from guys like Kamen Rucker. Uh, you saw a couple of plays up front from Raymond Vohasek. Um, and, and Miles Murphy continues to get in there. It's just the fact that it seems every time he gets anywhere close to the quarterback, he gets held, and it seems to go uncalled. But Carolina definitely, you, you're, you're seeing some of these moments from the defensive front, but just like the rest of this team, 
consistency is the name of the game for that group. Yeah, but I think that's something that they could build off of, and I'm not here for moral victories. This defense did not come out ready to go, and that's a big reason why they got beat the other night. But you got to find some positives on what happened, and, and that defensive line was the best it's looked in about a month. And that's, it's, it's the only saving grace for this defense under Jay Bateman. When his defensive line is in the backfield and is causing havoc up front, he's proven that his defense can slow down really high-potent offenses. The problem is, is that when they can't get home, their back end can't hold up the way you want it to, as, are the most, as is the case with most every defense in, in today's football. But, you know, you're seeing some signs. You're seeing some glimpses. You want to see it culminate and come together. you got a really good chance for that against Wofford where you can really just have a breakout game where these guys can get some more confidence, take another step, and all that. But a lot of these guys are going to be back next year, and it's good to see them progressing every time they're on the field. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, trying to th- pretty much you're going to lose from guys that are playing now, unless there are transfers, you're going to lose Tamon Fox, and that's pretty much and, – and Raymond Voasik. He is one of the guys that is going to walk. That's right. Mm. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you, with Ray, I mean, he's done some good things, but that's a position where especially if Javari Ritzy can take that next step for you, you feel pretty confident that you're going to be all right in that spot. And remember, you're also bringing in Travis Shaw, who they think is going to make an immediate impact right out of the gate. And why wouldn't you? He's one of the most talented players in the entire country, even though he's a true freshman on the defensive line, and we know that takes a little bit more time to get used to for those big guys in the trenches than at the skill positions. You still feel like he can make an impact there. So I feel pretty I'm, – I'm with you. I feel pretty confident in this unit going forward. Now, here's the thing. They've got to be able to bring this effort. I mean, yeah, you'd like to see it against Wofford, and you should be able to see it against Wofford pretty easily. You want to see that carry over into the game against NC State in two weeks yeah, because that's a good offensive line. They've got one of the best offensive linemen in the entire country in Ikem Ekwanu, I believe is how you pronounce his name. I'll make sure I get that right whenever we end up previewing that game. But that's something that you want to see – more consistently, and I, I, this is, I think you've got to see the younger guys more going forward. If there are moments over the next couple of weeks that you don't see Tamon Fox out there, I'm not going to be all that hurt about the fact that you're not seeing him out there because I think there are young guys here. For me, I, you need to see the most of Des Evans that you can possibly see down the stretch of the season? Because you need to figure out, is he the guy that we thought he was, or are we going to have to find somebody else to be that guy on the edge? Yeah. And and I think they're going to have a good chance to sort of evaluate that over the next couple of weeks. As I mentioned, uh, the linebacking core, Jeremiah Gimmel had his best game of the season. Um, that, that, you know, good to see him playing well there. And uh, I would expect this weekend against Wofford, I mean, you'll probably see him out there. It is his senior day, so you'll probably see a good amount of him. But I think you'll start to see some of the younger guys as well start to rotate in, especially with it seeming like he's going to end up leaving at the end of the season. Um, concerning part was the defensive backfield. Once again, Storm Duck had a rough night. He got beat up a couple of times in that first half. Uh, Tony Grimes had a couple of plays in man coverage that he was picked on a little bit. Um, But I think that's just one of those things where 
if they can start to get consistent pass rush, it's definitely going to help those that unit. And I think with those guys, especially with Storm Duck working back from that injury, it is going to kind of be hit or miss over you know the, the throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, and let's not make no mistake, the dudes that they were playing against, like Pittsburgh has legitimate skill position players. Their quarterback is playing at a high level, definitely. And that was just something that we knew if Carolina didn't get pass uh, a pass rush on him. He was going to pick Carolina apart, and he did that in the first half or so. The second half when Carolina was able to get in his face, they made life tough on him. But, you know, it's it's really hard to judge their performance because there, there's no resistance up front. You, you you can only guard a guy for so long. These guys are going to get away from your grasp. So I think it's it would be different if, if Carolina had consistent pass rush and they weren't making plays. That's not the case when there's pass rush and they're able to be in position to make plays. They're, they're holding up their own more times than not. And look, I mean, again, they stepped up in that second half. They were part of that group. It, it helped that they got some help from the guys up front, but they were still doing a pretty good job on that group of receivers that gave them a ton of fits in that first half. So you definitely have to hand it to them. It's now a question of can those guys carry these performances over into the next couple of weeks? This game on Saturday against Wofford, this should only continue to build confidence for you. This should be a game that you should have no problem dominating. Now you've got to be able to put together those back-to-back good performances, you hope, and carry that over into the final game of the year because they Carolina especially, look, even if Sam Howell plays, I, I think they have to go in with the mindset. This defense has to go in with the mindset of, we need to be the unit that leads this group because if he plays in that game, he's he can say he's going to be 100%. He is not going to be 100%. Ain't nobody 100% this time of year. And, I mean, especially – and, look, I've, I've talked to, you know, a couple people that are close to, you know, the situation. And if, if it's the injury that is reported, and I, I there there's, you know – Nothing official, but if the injury is if it is the injury that is reported, that is not something that you are going to be able to be a hundred percent from in that game against state. So you're going to need your defense to help you out and make things a little bit easier on your offense. It's just a wait and see moment, and and, and I think, I mean, look these these last couple of weeks, I, I I think at this point for us, the the goose is cooked in our barns for. Jay Bateman. I don't think that he's coming back if I'm the head coach. I'm firing him. No doubt in my mind he's gone at the end of the season. But I think Mac Brown, I told you this last night when we were texting back and forth about, about the podcast for today. I don't, I don't know if Mac Brown is, is as hell-bent on moving on from him as, as we are. I'm – thinking about moving on from you after saying the goose is cooked in the barn? What? <laughs> I don't know. The goose is cooked was what, what I was going for. In now, the barn, I not quite. You know, dead man walking. Uh, uh, go go that route. I'm with you. Uh, Jay Bateman, I, I told you during the bye week he should have been fired. That was the perfect time to move on. Yep. You know, you can start making – because, I mean, look, at that point, you look, your season's over. You're not going anywhere – legitimately, so you can start making the changes you want to make to start getting ready for next year. He didn't do it, which leads you to believe, and I and I told you this following the Lake Forest game, if they finish strong again, like they did last year, he's going to say, well, we finished strong, we took the right steps, we're going to run it back one more again. Negative. Nope. 
you you look you have connections to make to big time coaches that want to rebuild their coaching career like Will like, Muschamp. Like a Manny, Will Muschamp. Will Muschamp. No. Manny no. Diaz. When Manny no. Diaz gets fired. No. Jimmy Lake just got fired at Washington. He's a defensive-minded coach. Yeah. There, there mm. are dudes you can mm. go get that so, are proven Power 5 coordinators that could give you a better fighting chance. Let me tell you something. I don't think this offense <sighs> is going to score 45 next year. Maybe it yeah. does. You're going to have to win some games with, with your defense, and that ain't happening with Jay Bateman. I, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's a legitimate concern, especially with what we talked about earlier on in the program where we discussed the fact that, I mean, you're going to have to probably replace your quarterback next year. And to expect that your quarterback is going to be as productive as Sam Howell was, especially in year one, that is crazy. I mean, look, maybe your running game takes another step forward, but you're also losing Ty Chandler. So, I mean, are you going out onto the – the, the open market of getting a running back might not be the worst idea considering you got Ty Chandler and the guy that might be the favorite for the Heisman outside of now who's leading it, C.J. Stroud. I don't know. The odds on that change every day. If I was voting, it would be Kenneth Walker and it wouldn't even be close. Um, he's been a stud at Michigan State. So maybe you go back in that direction. But I agree. You've got to get a, a, a D coordinator that isn't as hit, as hit and miss as Jay Bateman is. And, I mean, look, even the other night, like you can say, well, the second quarter on, mainly that second half, that defense looked really good. Okay, they did. But the first quarter, you allowed 17 points and you were picked apart. You, and that's one of the other reasons you lost the game. You can't, like we're, we were focusing a lot on the positives, but in that first quarter, Carolina had no pass rush and... Kenny Pickett was able to stand back there and pick them apart. And the secondary struggled a little bit. You saw some grabbing. You saw some guys that got beat. That's, you know, look, they they still have to improve in certain areas. I still think the safeties are a concern for sure. But, I mean, at some point, you've got to be able to put together a consistent game on the defensive side of the football for a few weeks. Look, I know you're not always going to come out and play great, no defense has done that pretty much all year in college football. There's a few mainly teams that play in the Big Ten that play against offenses that frankly suck, but not in the ACC. The offenses are still way too good, and you've got to find ways to be more consistent. And, and, and like you're saying, I think the one of the main reasons why you've got to move on is because of the connections that you have. Now, I'm not with you at all on Manny Diaz. He's called the defense in Miami this year, and that defense has not been good. He's still bearing Jay Bateman. Uh, but I, I just I couldn't really get on board with that. Um, wouldn't really – Lake, I, I, don't, I don't know about Lake because some of the stuff that he's got going on off the field, I think that's We, we need concerning. some of that attitude in our building. No, I, I, I don't want any part of that. Um, but Will Muschamp, that's, if he wants to come back into a, a, a significant role as a coach, because right now he's just an analyst for that defense at Georgia, and that defense is playing really damn good. That's the best defense in the country. The no doubt. You just, you, did, you just failed to mention that defense has played great football from September right. through November. But it's, I mean, clearly, 
the thing is, is how much of a role does he play? I think he plays a pretty significant role, but also Kirby Smart has a defensive mind. That's his back around. And Dan Lanning, that dude's going to be a head coach somewhere. And he might get a Power 5 job just based off of what he's done. So I don't know how much of it is really Will Muschamp. The other question is, Dan Lanning's probably going to be gone. Does that mean Will Muschamp takes over as the D coordinator at Georgia? Does he look at that as being a better opportunity for him than with Mac Brown and the Tar Heels? Or does he value that relationship with Mac Brown? Does he want to be able to build something of his own and not have the pressure that he would have at Georgia? Who knows? But I definitely think, even if even if you don't end up getting one of those guys, I think you've got to go out and find somebody else that can yes. run this defense. And I, I really hope that that's the mindset that's going on in that building. Now, one of the things, the last thing that we'll talk about here before we end up moving on, handing out the player of the game and doing all the other stuff that we normally do, uh, closing notes as well, uh, as we tell you about tutorials that uh, will be participating in Senior Day on Saturday, is there were a lot of people that I saw, and I was very shocked as the night went along. To me, at least on my timeline, it looked like the majority of people um, were behind this notion that the staff messed up by kicking the field goal. And I saw some people, and my dad actually said this to me, he thought they should have taken the ball first in overtime. Let me address the second one first. These are not NASCAR crew chiefs. These dudes on the sideline do not have weather radar pulled up where they can tell if it's going to rain. Actually, they knew going in the weather because the weather was supposed to start at 8. Now, they got lucky that it kept – it took until about, what, 11 o'clock? Yes. Before um, – it. My, I mean, just – Monsoon. I, I mean, I, I've it, that was one of the hardest rains I've ever seen in a college so, football so game. They knew going in the weather, but see, I, I I think you always play defense first in overtime. Well, that's my thing. You're net. I've I cannot remember the last time I have seen a team win the coin toss in overtime in college football and take the ball first. I've never. I've never seen it because you you know what you have to do based on what the other team did. I think, I mean, look, you can butcher the defense for not getting a stop there. They had made stops throughout that entire second half, and Pittsburgh scored really quickly on that first possession of overtime without much resistance. So you can take issue with that. I don't take any issue with them taking the ball second. That, no. that, I, I am not of that mindset. No, you always want to play offense second. Had, should they have gone for it to win the game? No. See, everything about that moment was telling you that you had all the momentum in your favor. Here's the and issue. And you're at the three-yard line. Here, that is way too far to go with here, what you've done in the red zone. My issue was more the fact that, okay, against Georgia Tech early in the second half, you went for it on a fourth and one on your, like, in on your – 40-yard or, 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 you know, on your side of the 40. Which was a mistake. They should have never done and that. And your whole mindset was, well, if we can't gain a yard, we don't, we, don't, we don't deserve to win the ball game. Okay. Then you go to Florida State, and you have a chance to make it a two-possession game or it was a, a one-possession game. I forget which one it was. But you go the opposite way, making a comeback at that point all but impossible. They haven't been consistent. Did what the they, same thing against Notre Dame. They yeah. haven't been consistent in these situations. Yeah. In my opinion – you had nothing to lose on on Thursday night except a football game, which you've lost plenty of this year. You go try to win the game. 
Ah, uh, so, wait a second. You no, we 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 were watching the game on the phone. You told me that you thought that was the right decision. I mean, because like, okay, in theory, you you have to kick the field goal because right. of what your offensive line has the, done. You cannot see. This is the problem. You but, can't. Hindsight would tell you you should have gone for it because you didn't win the game. In that moment, from the three yard line, remember. First, what the two-point conversion looked like earlier in the game. Correction. I said they have to kick the field goal. I also, didn't say they needed to kick the field goal. See, I am uh, ultimate. Yeah, yeah that's ultimate same go, thing. Go for it, guy. I don't believe in punting. I don't believe in kicking field goals. It's it's all gas and no breaks. Kind of like the Texas defense. Either yeah. You score touchdowns. And how is that worked or out? Or you don't score at all. They just got beat by Kansas. So, Great strategy. That's My thing was... You, but, you know, screw the, the, the coaching decision. Tell your offensive lineman not to get a false start, and that doesn't happen because yeah. because if, if, if you didn't get four or two yards in four freaking plays before the, if the, the, the that false start never happens, then you're damn right you don't join the football Look, game. Look, I, I think if the, ball, if the ball is at the two or closer, I probably would have said go for it, even though – that two-point conversion play, as I talked about, that you saw earlier wasn't great. And then remember, when they scored the touchdown to cut the lead to three, the amount of fits that they had just getting Sam Howell into the end zone. Their, their, their offense inside of the five-yard line this year Sucks. has been horrendous. It, it is want, not good. So, I, I to me, you made the right decision. I don't care what Mac Brown said in the postgame because that's a hindsight quote that's a guy that looked and saw that his team lost and said that was the wrong decision if they would have won the game in overtime he would never have said we should have gone for it at the end of regulation that was the right move at the time because you had all the momentum going in your direction unfortunately your defense they had held up in that second half the entire time they didn't in that scenario in overtime and I mean look you just frankly you got bad luck because once it started raining as hard as it did, there was no way. You couldn't do anything in that. I mean, the, the two throws that Sam Howell made, it was raining so hard you could see the ball literally just got dragged down to the ground by the rain. Like, it, it, you were screwed. There was nothing you could do. I, I mean. All I want in those, in, in those situations is consistency. If you want to be consistently, consistently aggressive, that's fine. Because yep. at least we can say we know what you're going to do, and then you can own up in the media and say this is this is our philosophy, this is who we are, this is our mo. But when you change from week to week, and from situ and stuff like that, then it's hard to say because then you're not instilling the same amount of confidence in your team and all that. So just figure out what you, we're not going to butcher you if you're if you're consistently aggressive. Right. I, I, I feel you on that. Because at least you're saying, hey, we're going to go for it. I feel you. But I feel we, you on that for sure. And it'd be sure. different had the Coastal been on the line. Okay, then, yeah, you play for freaking overtime. I mean, technically you're, you're it was, a, but. You're, you're playing for a freaking meaningless bowl game. I mean, look, technically you still had a chance to win the Coastal. Technically they were going to the ACC title game. If you won the game. So, I guess you could look. To me, I, I don't have issue with it. Because it's, it's you're going to overtime with all the momentum that you had had in that second half. But I'm, I'm with you on the fact that we need to see more consistency from these decisions. And look, that's been one of the issues for Mac Brown since he was at Texas, especially at the end of his time at Texas, was people said the late-game decisions, the clock management, some of that stuff 
was not great. And we've seen that sort of carry over here at Carolina. And, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. To me, it, it's something where I, I'm with you. I'm more frustrated with the fact that you had a false start penalty on the two-yard line. Yep. Um, I'm more frustrated with the fact that the referees didn't throw a flag on Pittsburgh having five guys clapping at the line of scrimmage before Brian Anderson ends up hiking the ball when Sam Howell wasn't even close to ready for the snap. Um, and look, I mean, you can say whatever you want. I saw plenty of Pitt writers saying that that's a strategy that they use on the defensive side of the football whenever they can't hear or whatever. I don't even know how that's legal, though. And look, I'm not blaming Pitt. If you've been doing that all year, well, that's on the ACC officiating. How can you have somebody clapping when most of the time, what do you go off of to get snaps at the college level? A snap count is usually a clap. So I'm not really getting how that was. And look, the, the officiating these past few weeks have, has been awful. Um, and again, it's not the reason Carolina lost. Joshua Zudu's false start was legit. Uh, most of the calls that were on Carolina, pretty much everyone that I saw was a legit penalty. Um, but there were penalties that, that there were holding calls once again that I thought were egregious that went uncalled for that, that went uncalled. And, and it's just it's getting old at this point. Um, and I know there are ones that Carolina has probably gotten away with, but the ACC, you've got to be more consistent with. The, we're talking about consistency from the coaching staff. The referees have to, have to be more consistent about how they end up calling this stuff. Because I'm going to be honest, if I'm Stacey Searles and I'm seeing how much our guys are getting held and there's no call, I'm telling my offensive linemen, hey, just start holding because they're not going to call it. So if that's the way we got to keep them off of Sam, then let's do it. And – Hey, if the refs want to call it on you, and you, then you need to start pointing out the hypocrisy and say, look, man, we got guys getting dragged to the ground. Play after play, no call. Yet you're going to call it on us? That doesn't make any sense. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Again, I, I, don't, I don't have an issue with the coaching decision at the end. I think Carolina made the right decision. It's just you didn't execute once again in overtime against Pittsburgh, and you end up falling short. Now Carolina drops to 5-5 five and five on the season. Um, and, and, yeah, now completely eliminates themselves from the ACC Coastal race. They were, as Josh mentioned, probably not going to win it. It would have taken a, a ton of different scenarios for it to actually happen. But Carolina was would have still had a very slim chance to get into the ACC championship game. Um, now they'll have to, you know, of course, wait, try to find a win here in one of these last two weeks, Wofford at home and then NC State. Uh, on the road. Uh, really quick, I didn't write that down in the closing notes, but that game against NC State is going to be a 7 o'clock kick on ESPN on November 26th. That'll be the Friday after Thanksgiving uh, when Carolina will play that game. Um, so we'll take a quick break uh, and, and we'll come back. But first, uh, we have to let you hear from our sponsor, DraftKings. Uh, this Thanksgiving, be thankful for food, family, and free bets. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NFL, has a turkey day no-brainer you can't miss. New customers can bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the Thanksgiving NFL action. Make your first deposit and play free for millions with DraftKings Daily Fantasies Football Contest. 
DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TPPN. Bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code TPPN this Thanksgiving at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's transition into our player of the game for this one. And I think it's got to go to a guy that not only had a tremendous game in this one, but is having a tremendous second half of the season for Carolina. He led the team in receiving in this game. Three, Two of his three catches went for touchdowns. Anton Green is the player of the game in this one. And you got to th – this was a guy that I, I think, you know, we, we were questioning who would step up from this group of three wide receivers that Carolina had been starting on the outside this season. Emory Simmons, Choffrey Brown transfer. Antone Green has since stepped up to the plate and played really well. This is three straight games now where he's got at least 80 yards receiving and a touchdown. It's been sorely needed, and it's awesome to see this for a guy who has just had so many issues with injuries and confidence throughout his time at Carolina. Yeah, I mean, you know... I see a lot of myself in Anton Green. Oh, my God. Devastating knee or leg injury like I suffered. The way he's responded from adversity. It's, there, there's Is he a, also a sociopathic liar by chance? Probably. I don't. But <sighs> in all seriousness, um, seeing him healthy has been kick-ass because his team's needed it, and he's just been a big-time player. Um, it, it makes you wonder what could have been if he not suffered all the injuries and everything like that. Uh, but, I, you know, I think he's better for it, you know, and he'll probably tell you he's a better man because of a better football player. Um, and he did in the preseason. Yes, he did. You know, it's just something that the best thing that happened to Carolina was Chaffee Brown and Emory Simmons transferring because it forced them to solidify what they wanted to do, who they wanted to, who, who they wanted to put on the football field. Anton Green has stepped up. He's been the biggest recipient of that. And Carolina wouldn't have beaten – uh, Wake Forest without him. They wouldn't have been competitive at Notre Dame without him, and yep. they would not have been competitive at Pittsburgh without him. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, look, he made the only play offensively in the first half. So, I mean, he's doing everything that he needs to do for this team. I know the feeling. He's definitely shown signs of being that guy that can be the deep threat for Carolina, and we've talked about that. The, the two most important things that this Carolina offense needs outside of a consistent offensive line, which every offense needs, but for this offense to be at its best in particular, you have to be able to run the ball and you have to have that deep threat. Early in the season, they couldn't run the ball because the offensive line wasn't great and nobody could really create separation on the outside to be that deep threat. Since, as you mentioned, Choffrey Brown, and Emory Simmons transferred, it seemed like the role for Anton Green is a little more defined. He knows that he's a guy that's going to be on the field every single rep. Um, he might come out here and there, but it's very rare. And he knew that he had to step up, and he's done it. And you got to hand it to him. Um, and look, we'll transition into our closing notes with that because he is not one of the guys that is on the list of the group of players that will be honored on Senior Day on Saturday. So that means 
maybe there's a chance he's coming back next year. That could be good news for Carolina, especially if he can continue to play the way that he has so far late in this season. Uh, let's run through the 21 guys that will be honored on Saturday before the game against Wofford. Of course, graduate guy that took his extra year at kicker, Grayson Atkins, came back. Uh, you know, start of the season was a little inconsistent. Uh, he was huge for Carolina in the game against Wake Forest, and he settled in and become a pretty reliable kicker for Carolina. Um, so, you know, it's going to hurt to definitely lose him. Uh, you got British Brooks, special teams captain. Of course, started the Orange Bowl game last year uh, against Texas A&M. He's going to end up moving on. Adam Buck, depth punter. Um, Carson Burgess, depth wide receiver. Ty Chandler ends up moving on after his one year. He will not have any extra eligibility to come back. Um, he is, Mac Brown said it today, he is 70, or no, maybe it's 100, it's, maybe it's a little over 100, I, I believe, uh, yards away from reaching that 100-yard uh, or 1,000-yard rushing mark on the season, actually. Um, so it, it looks like he could end up getting there before the end of the season. He has had a tremendous one-year stop in Chapel Hill. Uh, Joshua Zudu, uh, he's a junior, but he is going to end up walking on Saturday. We'll talk more about him here in just a second. Tamon Fox, the graduate sixth-year senior, he's end up, he's going to end up moving on. Uh, or no, he's a fifth-year senior. That's right, he did play as a true freshman. Uh, he, is he is going to end up uh, moving on after this season, after taking the extra year for COVID. Uh, Jeremiah Gimmel, uh, he does not appear as if he's going to take his extra year, which makes a little bit of sense with the guys that Carolina has behind him in Power Eccles and Ra Ra Dilworth. It really seems like it's only a matter of time before they end up taking over. And he's a guy I think that could be on some NFL radars, especially uh, with how smart he is as a football player, the type of leader that he is. So he could definitely be a guy that you could end up seeing make an NFL roster. Greg Goodwin, depth wide receiver as well. Uh, Tyrone Hopper, he will not play in this game. I believe he he is the only guy on this list as I take a look really quickly um, outside of maybe the guy that we'll talk about, of course, here next. Um, we talked about earlier. Uh, he is the only guy that will not be able to play in this game. He was banged up, declared out for the season earlier in the se earlier in the year. Uh, so, unfortunately, he will not be able to play in what will be his last game. Of course, he came back for a super senior season as well with the Tar Heels. Sam Howe, he will end up walking on Saturday uh, with the guys. He will be honored, um, and rightfully so. And that means it is the end of his career with the Tar Heels. Uh, we'll, we'll, of course, be talking a, a ton more about that here over the next couple of weeks as we get to the end of the season and the end of ultimately the Sam Howell uh, tenure at quarterback uh, for Carolina. Kieran Johnson, uh, he, he's a graduate on the offensive line at center. Uh, of course, was a versatile guy last year as well that Carolina used in a few different spots, but has really been used at that center spot this year. He's another guy. We'll talk about him here in just a second about what his future plans could be. Nick Makovic, uh, he's a depth uh, walk-on offensive lineman. He will end up uh, taking part in senior day on Saturday. Marcus McKeithen, um, he is a senior. That was a guy that has, uh, you know, in, in terms of on the field, he is a senior. Uh, but some people thought he could use that extra year um, due to, uh, you know, COVID last year. 
Uh, that's a wait and see. We'll see on that one. We'll tell you about that here in just a second. Kyler McMichael, uh, the corner, he's going to end up uh, walking on Saturday, uh, even as a junior. So he's going to end up uh, leaving. Um, and not sure exactly what he's going to end up doing, but it looks like he won't be playing for the Tar Heels next year. Trey Morrison, uh, Mac Brown said today he is going to look at his NFL prospects. Uh, so we'll see if he ends up uh, having a chance to make an NFL roster. He will not be back next year, it appears. Alex Nobles, uh, depth. Uh, walk-on linebacker. Uh, he's also going to walk. Hunter Shope, depth offensive tackle. Jordan Tucker, uh, starting you know, uh, right tackle for most of the season for Carolina. Don't know if he'll end up starting. Probably will because it's senior day, but don't know how much he'll actually end up playing on Saturday after, of course, he was taken out after struggling against Pittsburgh. Raymond Voasik, the starting nose tackle for the Tar Heels. This will be his final game at home. And then Garrett Walston, who, of course, came back for his super senior season, will also take part in that. Now, as I mentioned, there are three guys that from this group there are some notes on them. Joshua Zudu, Marcus McKeithen, Mac Brown said today basically both of those guys are going to look at their NFL draft prospects. They're going to, you know, try to hear from some scouts and figure out exactly where they stand on some of those boards. And if they're high enough up, they will end up going. Um, but if not, if they feel like they can improve their stock next season, then they will end up coming back. So those are two guys to monitor. Kieran Johnson, it's more of just is he able to get into a graduate course and potentially come back for an extra season. It looks like he wants to come back from what Mac Brown is saying, but we'll have to wait and see on that one. The, notice, the, the notable absences from this group, Brian Anderson, he's also a graduate, but looks like he is going to have an extra year. That's due to COVID, so he is going to be back next year. He was banged up all you know, this season, especially early on in the year. We've seen him start to work his way in there periodically as the season has gone along. But the hope is that they can keep at least one between him and Kieran Johnson because if they lose both of those guys, that means Caden Baker's probably going to be your guy at center. Maybe Jonathan Adorno gets in there, but they don't really have a clear answer at that spot uh, moving forward. So bringing one of those guys back could definitely help to ease that transition. Bo Corrales is not on there. So it looks like Bo's going to come back again next year. Um, and, you know, it, it's good for him because he came back this year, tried to go through his super senior year. It looked like, you know, as we were heading towards the start of the season, he might be able to get back out on the field after the sports hernia surgery. He could not, ended up having to have another surgery. So now it looks like he's going to end up coming back. Anton Green, as I mentioned, he was not on there. Looks like he's probably going to take that extra year of eligibility to his credit. And then one that I was wondering about, he is a junior, but I was wondering with some of the guys that Carolina has at corner um, and, you know, with just how long he's been there, he's probably a guy that's on track to definitely graduate here sometime soon in terms of the classroom. DeAndre Hollins was a name I thought might be on that list, but he is not. So, um, what, what, you know, from this group, I, I think clearly Sam Howe's the biggest takeaway here. The other thing that I took away is if all of those 21 guys end up leaving, I know that the group has struggled this year. That's a massive blow to your offensive line. Yeah, and it's something that uh, that's not very good considering that's the weakest part of your football team. But, you know, you, you know if, you, if you can bring back a Brian Anderson, that'll help because it'll add some senior leadership and stuff like that. And you bring back Bo Corrales and Antone Green, if those guys suit up next year in Carolina Blue, that's going to be really big for whoever, the, whoever that quarterback is going to be, yep. having those dudes throw the football too. So 
Um, you know, you got the advantage of the, of the super senior, like the super, super senior year because of COVID. Um, Bo, Bo Corrales may have the super, 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 super senior year. Yeah, he <laughs> I mean, he may he may honestly be there eight or nine years. I have, I've lost track at this He's point. He's like Billy Madison. Billy Madison went back to the elementary school and to earn his degree and all that. But uh, Bowie Madison. You know, it's it's just something that, uh, you, know, you know, seeing some of these guys leave is going to be heartbreaking, but – this, some of these are the end of the Larry Fedora era guys, the last bit of the Larry guys, and now we're going to get all Mac Brown type of guys moving forward, and that's also very cool to see. Yeah, I mean, look, I think one of the offensive guards will probably be back. I think there's a good chance that Zudu probably has a little bit better stock than McKeithen. I think one of those two guys will be back, but I think I think the majority of the rest of the guys will probably be gone, and I think – for the most part, I mean, you've got guys that you can feel confident in behind them. I, I mentioned a little concerned about Ty Chandler leaving, but that was one you knew. That was a one-year rental. You knew that. Yeah. You had to build your backfield behind mm-hmm. them. And you've got some good freshmen coming in. I, I think, yeah, that offensive line is the one area that you're probably a little bit concerned about uh, when it comes to this. So uh, that does it for this edition of the podcast, guys. Make sure you head over to the website. We're going to have a bunch of stuff up about all this stuff. we got an article already up there about Sam Howell. Um, by the time this comes out, we'll have a uh, we'll have a, an article up about the 21 players uh, that are going to end up being a part of the Senior Day festivities in Chapel Hill. Also talk a little bit more about those guys that are not going to be a part of the group and what that means for the Tar Heels going forward. Um, and then, yeah, we're, we're going to have you guys uh, fully covered later on this week uh, when Ant, when uh, another guy, another wide receiver uh, that Carolina is going after hard in the 2022 class out of the state of Virginia. They already have Ty Chun Chapman in the class. They want to add a guy on the outside, Andre Green Jr., one of the top players, one of the top five players in the state of Virginia, a state that Carolina has dominated. They try to close out in style that'll be on Wednesday night Uh, we are going to try to end up doing a podcast right after he announces his commitment but still not 100% sure on that Uh, Zach Hubbard but me and him are going to get up uh, probably either later tonight or tomorrow to figure out whether or not we're going to be able to do it on that night if not it'll probably definitely be the next day on Thursday where we'll get that up for you and we'll go ahead and break that down Uh, whether he commits to Carolina or not um, Carolina's does kind of need some help on the outside. I know we just talked about Antone Green and and Bo Corrales coming back, but it really feels like Carolina could use another young stud on the outside uh, with the fact that they have recruited the slot position pretty heavily uh, over the last couple of years and have had a lot of success doing it, but they need some more guys on the outside as we saw earlier on the season. We'll have you covered on those fronts on the website as well as through the rest of the Tar Heel regular season. As I mentioned, Wofford on Saturday. We'll have the breakdown for you, uh, and then we'll have the recap as well as the stock report for you, and then we will circle around uh, and get you ready for that game against NC State. That'll be a big one. Mac Brown trying to pull the upset, continue his uh, undefeated streak here uh, since he came back to Chapel Hill against NC State. Uh, on the road, try to get that first road win of the season. Carolina 0-4 so far this season on the road. They've got to be able to get over that hump in that final game of the season. And, of course, we will have you covered on everything Sam Howell as to whether or not he's going to play in Saturday's game, if he'll play against NC State, all that stuff. We'll have you covered over on the website, uh, on the football side of things, and then on the basketball side of things. Carolina's off and rolling. Uh, They, you know, had a pretty good win on opening night against Loyola of Maryland. 
not so great of a win the other night against Brown. Uh, I am going to roast my co-host right here on the next edition of the podcast that we're going to do for calling the Brown loss disheartening two games into the it was season. A, it was a Brown win. They did not lose the game. Well, you know what? It almost seems like it at this point. Let, let me let me explain the reason why. Okay, well, this is not the podcast to do it here. No, but this just, look, for all you guys. Here we go. See, the scoreboard is an afterthought when I'm watching a game. I don't look at the score. I look at there the way. That's, that's what you want to hear. doesn't look, matter how the team played. I, I, I look at the way they played. Aye. I was not happy with the way that they played. And that's why I Honestly, was your negativity actually led me to say they lost the game the other night. That's, the point. Really that's that, the point that you are I wasn't all that at. negative. You, you, see you called the second game of the season a win, by the way. A disheartening game. You Two games into the season. You want to see negativity? I will give you negativity. Go over, listen to the, what is the name of the podcast edition going to be? That's the that's going to be College of Charleston preview. Yes. The okay, go into that edition. I'm going to yell at this moron. So go check that out. Uh, also, <laughs> look, not every episode is like that. There's other great episodes of the Four Corners podcast, uh, as well as he's got a bunch of other stuff on the website for you. He's been covering all those games for you. He's just getting started. Carolina's got a huge weekend coming up this weekend as well. He'll be all over that for you. And then uh, Carolina's going to continue to roll through what's a an extremely difficult non-conference season. And then into ACC play, which, look, Carolina, has they, they didn't look great the other night. But some of the other teams in the ACC not looking that great. So, who knows? Carolina's still with a really good chance to have a great year this year and still do some really special things in the ACC. He'll have you covered all year with that on the blog side of things and then on the podcast side of things as well. Four Corners podcast and the Heel Tough blog podcast. Anywhere you find your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, all those great spots, you can check it out. And then uh, we we also encourage you whenever you're there to like and subscribe uh, to or subscribe to the podcast, uh, rate and review it if you want to. We'd appreciate that as well. Um, and and you know that'll put all the stuff into your podcast library. So whenever a new episode of either one of those podcasts comes up, it's right there for you. Also, head over to the Facebook page, Heel Tough Blog, uh, on Facebook. Make sure you like and follow the page. Uh, and you'll get uh, notifications whenever we go live. You'll also have all the stuff on the timeline for you guys so you can see all the new articles that we put up. You won't have to worry about if you're one of those people in the Facebook group. And we know we got a bunch of you in there, and we appreciate you. Just go over and like the page. It's so much easier. It goes right onto your timeline, and you don't have to worry about having to search through the groups to find all this great information like what I had for you today on the Sam Howell situation after Mac Brown spoke earlier today. So make sure that you guys are keeping up with all of that stuff uh, on the Facebook page, and then you can do the same on the Twitter page, at Heel Tough Blog for the official page, for me, at HTB Anthony, for Josh, at HTB Josh, and then for our recruiting analyst who you'll want to follow here these next couple of days, it is at HackZubber2. So that wraps up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Josh for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.